Welcome to the Everything Music Ed podcast. I'm your host, Tom Borning. In this podcast, you'll hear from teachers, musicians, and others about their experiences in learning and teaching music. In today's episode, we talk to Andrew Fitek, who's been a music teacher for 20 years. We discuss his unusual path to becoming a music teacher, varied skill sets required of music educators, as well as the difference between music ed majors and performance majors in college. Hope you enjoy the show. Definitely done some tech before in the past, huh? Very little, just for like a, a little wedding website, which, you know, I did do like three gigs, which was like, I put I put in so much time on that, you know, learning how to do it and do the editing and everything. Probably was a waste, but I also will say like, I got, it was very stressful to me. No matter how much you call the guys, I'm always nervous that someone's not going to show up. Someone was like, you know, oh, I'm hiring like a seven person band. And it's like hope the bass player shows up like i don't know that was like super annoying i don't know it's just the age-old problem like having business and music at the same time it's just so it's just too much for a musician to be able to do sometimes i think the 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 last gig i did was literally like for a friend of mine's wedding it was at right down the street and the sax player didn't show up i had called him two days before sax player didn't show up i'm like you son of a gun like I was, I was so mad. Oh yeah. my God. I definitely prefer gigs where someone just tells me where and when to be and what we're playing. And then I just show up. Those are my favorites. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, uh, anyways, <clears throat> that's the thing. I stopped doing it because it just got so stressful. Well, so what are we doing here today? You should probably, uh, it's customary to introduce yourself. Oh and yeah. What's going on. It totally is. Yep. So, uh, yeah, my name's Tom Borning. I've been a music teacher. This is my 26th year teaching music which is pretty crazy because um, I've, I've always thought of myself as young and um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not anymore, <laughs> which sucks. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, having said that, uh, yeah, 26 years teaching. I've taught, I think between the two of us, which I think would be really interesting about this podcast is like, I think between the two of us, I feel like we've done pretty much everything K to 12. I like think so. you've done, you've done K to four, which by the way, I'm with Andrew Fitek, music teacher. I can't wait to learn all about his story. I've only been working. How long have you been in Falmouth? Uh, this is my f- 15th year in Falmouth and 20th year total teaching music. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So like I've been, been working with Andrew for double digit years and, uh, I don't know much about his his beginnings, so I'm so curious to learn all about him. But, uh, yeah, so uh, between the two of us, I feel like we've taught K... You've you've taught K through 4 general, which I also assume means some chorus. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and right now you currently do grade 5 thick, 5 through 6 general and strings and you also did grade seven and eight general music slash music tech and band slash jazz band i've done 
I started off as a junior high band director my first year, grades seven and eight, Gen- junior high band and general music. I did high school strings, high school marching band, wow. band, uh, music theory, music tech, and then went to grade five. And actually, you probably don't even know this, that probably my second year or third year teaching, it was like before I felt comfortable saying no to our department head. <laughs> it was like <laughs> I had to go. I had to, I had to do fifth and sixth grade chorus at Morse Pond. I'd like to see that. It was horrible. I, I was so not good at it. I just wasn't good at it. Uh, and, you know, plus, frankly, it was weird that I'd have to go down there. Like, it was weird. So let's just start with that. It was a weird scenario to go down, and I don't know any of the kids. That being said, you know, plenty of people do it. But I just, that on top of the fact that I was just, piano was like, I'm a major hacker. It, I did the best I could, let's put it that way. But I so I did actually do fifth and sixth grade chorus for a little bit too. And now I'm fifth grade, fifth and sixth grade band, which I basically do instrument lessons, fifth grade band, sixth grade band, and jazz band. Well, you know, like like a lot of our listeners out there, we're versatile. You know, music teachers uh, have so many different age levels. They teach so many different, you know, and, and in general, it seems amazing to me the skill set required of a music teacher. Everything, you know, everything from technology to classroom management to collecting money to yeah. setting up microphones, moving chairs, yeah, you know, Furniture driving movie. trucks. Absolutely. We yeah. got to do it all. We got to be accountants. Oh, we have man. to be psychologists. We have to be entertainers. That is true. Wow. Yeah. It's no, it is funny. Like furniture mover. That is definitely a thing. <laughs> like it's unbelievable how much, how much time, you know, cause the last thing you want to do. I remember when I used to have to uh, share the auditorium cause before they had like a health room, they, they would have to teach health in the auditorium, you know, and then, and I'd always be like, well, we want to get up on the auditorium. I want to do some things on the stage. So it was like, oh my gosh, I'd have to set up 80, 90 chairs like every day. Um, yeah. You know, and then they, yep. you know, and it was, it was like, and I could not have the kids set up. Like it just, you know, you know, the, the health teacher kept being like, well, I have the kids help you set up. I'm like, you don't understand. It is like a game of inches up there. Like if I, if it's not set up in the perfect <laughs> arc, you know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no way, but I could have the kids break it down. So I was like, well, okay, so I'm going to have to set it up. I know that I have to build it in to my schedule. Like it's going to take me 20 minutes to, to set up 80 something chairs, I'm sure. And stands, you know, so probably 45, 50 stands realistically. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. It, it worked, but it was like that year it was like a furniture mover. It was like definitely in my title that year. Yep. <laughs> band yep. director and furniture mover. Yeah. I totally had to do that when teaching band too. With that tiny stage, I had to kind of figure out exactly how many chairs can fit in how many rows and where, and then just, you know, hope nobody's going to throw up or have to go to the bathroom or <laughs> if there's a fire drill or something, you know, oh we'd, be, gosh, we'd yeah. be in trouble. Yeah. I, I feel like there was definitely one year where I just had like an abnormal amount of kids signed up for band. I had 97 kids total when everybody was there. 
but I only had 96 chairs. And that was literally, <laughs> and that was literally me going to the cafeteria before band started and swiping like five chairs that I would have to put back. Cause it was like at a, like at a peanut free table or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I had to like grab and steal. And then, so then it was like, I was still one chair short. So I was like, Every band practice, there better be someone, at least one person absent. <laughs> well, you can count on like a 5% absentee rate, yeah. you know, but after a while, it's, it's, it's like the airplane where like you, you book, over, you overbook the number of seats you have, and then you just hope that a couple of kids are absent. Yeah, that was, that was a, a good challenge. But now, now I want I, I want to hear the history of Andrew Fitek so badly right now. I can't even like I mean, <laughs> when we thought about doing this and how, you know, basically the gist here is I want to I want to know because I think it 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 comes down to like you know why we end up teaching music, like something must have gone ding 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 to you at some point in your life, which then I also think comes down to like you know, we have these ding, ding, ding moments in our, in our lives and, and trying to create ding, ding, ding moments for our students, which is like, mm-hmm. I think is always a good thing. You know, it's like I, I taught at high, taught high school a, a week and a half ago. We did a little director swap and it was really funny to see what the high school students remembered of me. And it was always when I did something outrageously stupid and silly it'd be like (laughs) it was like oh mr borning i remember that time i can't remember the student's name and they they were like they were like uh joey missed a note and you like threw a threw a pencil uh threw a pencil against the wall or something like that it was like so you know in a joking way but they remember me being over the top silly about you know you know, you missed that accidental again, like write it down, you know? So it's like, oh, maybe that sticks in their head. Are they, you know, these silly little aha moments, you know? So anyways, I want to know, like, what, what was your, you grew up where? New Mexico? Am I right? Yeah. So my, my path to music ed is definitely an unusual one. Uh, I started off, uh, um, I, I always was a guitar player and I was really into like, you know, hard rock and then but I was into you know some jazz and a lot of classical and stuff like that too classical guitar and and I started off just doing sessions in recording studios in Albuquerque where I'm from and then no, no, I ended up starting no, no, working I'm there ta- I want to know like I'm talking elementary school what was music like what was like do you remember any remember any memories of elementary music class you being in school <sighs> you know I remember music class as as a kid as being really lame and I just didn't really like it and I I always knew I was a musician even from just the youngest age but my mom played piano my dad played guitar sometimes we would be um like they they would play together they'd have uh, uncles or whatever over and they would make music and I always thought that was really cool and I sort of picked up guitar too but the frustrating thing for me was that music class in school was totally different. It was a completely different approach to music. It was, you know, auto harp, which was cool. I like auto harp. And I remember ukuleles, and it, that was kind of cool too. But I remember thinking, this isn't a guitar, and this isn't, you know, um, 
Johnny Cash, like my dad would listen to, or this isn't Neil Diamond, like my mom would listen to, this isn't the Beatles, this is something more, you know, schooly, I guess you that's might so call funny. it. That's so funny. I definitely remember Auto Harp when I was a kid, but that's so funny. I, in my head, I feel like ukuleles is a new thing to music teachers, but you did it back in like, I'm assuming oh, early yeah. 80s, you're around my age, so you were like... Yeah, maybe early in the 80s. late 70s. Were you like in elementary school? Late Dude, 70s? I'm not that old. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I Wait, graduated. How old, in, how old are you? I graduated in 87, so we're talking. Are like, you 50 yeah, yet? I'm 53. Oh yeah, so you would have been in elementary school in the late 70s. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So late 70s, early 80s. Ukulele. See, I I I've only heard of ukuleles. Maybe it's just in the Northeast. Maybe it took a while. I don't have no idea. But I feel like ukuleles is sort of a new thing. But it's pop like. Meaning in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years is where I started. I, like, I never heard of that. I've always heard of guitar or something like that. That's really cool, though. I, that's neat that you did that. But, but you know, the uh, even though I wasn't really in a place to be able to appreciate the, the content and the programming of my elementary music school teacher, whoever that was, even though I wasn't able to appreciate it, clearly it's in there now. And clearly... I ended up being affected by it. Did you take lessons on guitar? Yeah, yeah, I took lessons, and then what um, age? Uh, I started when I was about. Well, I started playing when I was ten, mostly just taught by my dad, and then and then I kind of picked up, picked it up on my own and self-taught. And then once I got into high school, I started taking lessons, and we had a guitar program. That's one thing that was that was really really unique about where I went to high school. There was chorus, there was orchestra, and there was band, and then there was a fourth um, big offering, guitar, and there was even a big guitar ensemble. And I mean, I don't know for sure, but I definitely got the impression that the guitar program was as big or bigger than the band. Hmm. Um, so it was, it was a really big deal being in the guitar program over there. And that's really, you know, there, there was a teacher, Mr. O, David Ostrovitz, completely changed my entire trajectory. He's, he's the person who just, you know, he, he and his band program just taught me that music can make a kid belong, you know? So did you, so you didn't do regular band or no, you I was, just did the guitar. I was not in band. I was in all four years, all four years, at guitar, guitar and guitar ensemble. And so there were, there were concerts where, where the, the whole guitar would, the whole guitar orchestra would play and Mr. O would write, um, you know, arrangements and stuff. Mm. And then people would take solos, that sort of thing. But you know, it's what, it's what I identified with. It's what, got me to school every day. Yeah. That's you know, and, and I could imagine, you know, if, if there was someone with a less stable, uh, home life than me, that that could be the thing that keeps them in school. Oh my gosh. The amount of kids that I've, especially when I was at the high school, I felt, I used to feel that way. There was at least every year there'd be three or four kids where it was like, you knew the only reason why they were coming to school was to play in the ensembles. You know, like you just yeah. knew it and that, and you know, that's why I always say it's like, you want your kids to be involved in something. Like I'm always nervous when I see 
when I have a student, even in fifth and sixth grade now, like if I have a, a student in fifth and sixth grade and they're doing okay in their instrument, they maybe not be, might not be gelling yet. And then they stop playing because they're not, you know, the best or something like that. I always get nervous because I'm, I, you know, especially the kids where I can look at and be like, you're not going to play sports. What are you going to do? You're just going to go to school and take classes? Like, that can't be the thing. Yeah. Like, you have to do something. And that's so, like, I, that it, I always love, like, so it's like when kids have something, you know, like, they just, whether it be sports or music or chorus or art or, you know, even I guess, yeah. I guess when you get right, right, right down to it, I guess someone could feel that way about math. I shouldn't sell that short, I guess. I really loved math growing up. Yeah. Like, that's funny. Or science, I guess, to, you know. But it, it needs to be something, you know, like you want the kids yeah. to be hooked into something. Yeah, totally. So and that, so, so you did the guitar class all four years. Yep. And then after, so talk, you graduated, yeah, so, so then you graduate high school. So, th- so then I graduated and, and, uh, I, I briefly tried, uh, music school, like at the local university, UNM, and I just kind of flunked out cause I just didn't really understand you know, why I was there, or what I was doing. So then I just ended up just gigging a lot, playing in bands, doing different gigs, cover gigs, that kind of thing, and then started working in studios. So we would do everything from books on tape, radio commercials, recording mariachi bands, recording punk bands and rock bands, doing all kinds of stuff. I did that for about 10 years, and uh, and then the... The, the moment when everything switched, though, was there was a band I was playing in, and the drummer of the band was a high school band teacher. And he said, hey, we have this marching band show coming up, and the kids just aren't ready. You know, can can you come and help me? And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? And he said, well, we have the pit, and there's a kid playing drums, a kid playing bass, a kid playing guitar, a kid playing keyboards, and they just don't really know what they're doing you know, if you could come down. And I thought, all right, sure. I don't know what I can do. But then I, I realized right away that, you know, I was good at it. And I realized that this is something that I could, that I could really see myself doing. I was able to really instantly walk in and discover what the problem is, get them pointed in the right direction and get them successful in like, you know, an hour you know, meanwhile, working in studios is difficult because it's all weekends and it's late nights mm-hmm. and it's sometimes you have a lot of work and sometimes you don't have any and you don't have any health insurance and, you know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I was almost 30 at the time and I realized I need to have some kind of a, you know, a plan, you know, so, so, I mean, I realized I'd like to be able to buy a house someday I'd like to be able to maybe uh you know get a filling if you know on, on my teeth if I have a <laughs> or be able to like you know go to the emergency room if I get hurt or whatever and and so I just thought that that seems kind of nice and then so at the ripe old age of 29 I started music school for the first time realizing that that's what I wanted to do and fortunately that same bandmate and another bandmate was also a music educator and they both kind of guided me and got me started. And then, uh, wow, 29 that, wow. I can't even imagine. <laughs> <You're> like, 
well, 29 with like 18 year old girls. Well, well, the thing that I realized right away <laughs> was like, was like uh, 90% of the other students there who were 18, 19, 20 years old, they had no idea why they were even there. Sure. Yeah. yeah. They were still treating music school as if it were high school. You know, they were just goofing around, not really have any kind of direction. But, but you know, when, when you're 29, 30 years old and you're in college, you already, you already know how to work. You know, you already know how to manage your time. And you already know what you want. So it was totally different when college was... Budget your money. Was, yeah. ...was a goal. I'm trying to get from here to here in five years. I can plan it out. I have the self-discipline, you know. Went out and got some student loans, and you know, wow. and uh, it, it, it's it, plus, of course, there's nothing quite like going on a marching band trip on a bus with a bunch of twenty-year-olds, and you're thirty. Okay, so well, <laughs> let's back. What the hell did you play in marching band? Well, so uh, I realized right away when I sat down with the the music ed advisor. He, he knew me from high school because he used to be the band teacher at my high school. And he said, oh, I remember you. You're a guitar player. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you're going to have to learn to read music. And I said, okay, well, I kind of can. But, you know, he, oh my it, was, it was a little bit of a snarky thing to say. But, but he, he was right that it was a whole different world from a guitarist's point of view. Oh, sure. Please. 90% and, of the people that go to Berkeley School of Music don't know how to read music when they go there. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, I, I believe incredible. it. I believe it, you know. Uh, um, and and so so I realized, well, I'm, I'm going to have to, in order to be a music ed major, I have to be in the ensembles. And so guitar wasn't working, so I immediately decided percussion because I could already, you know, play drums and I already had done enough studio sessions where it's like, hey, we need some we need someone to play this or what, and I'll just play it myself kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and then, and then fortunately the percussion professor there was open-minded. He was like, Sue, you don't really play. And I said, well, you know, I kind of can. And I showed him what I can do. And he was like, well, uh, all right, I guess we'll give you a try. Cause you're a little older and you probably have a little bit more, you know, self-discipline, a little more drive. Let's go for it. And then, you know, I ended up being, you know, like a, an excellent percussionist in the end. In the marching band? So yeah. did you start off in the pit? Well, so I started off in, I, I did three years of marching band. The first year I did bass drum and they had five bass drums. Oh, so like a two. So there was a lot drum. of split. Oh, okay. Split bass drum. And then the second year I did cymbals. And then the third year I was the, the lead snare player. Jeez. And I was like the uh, section leader. Oh, wow. And then I was all done with marching band, you know, and then, and then of course in like wind symphony and orchestra doing everything from mallets to snare drum or triangle or whatever. Well, that's, I, that's incredible to me. All right. Did it, did you get done like real quick for four years? Oh, you said three years though. Five years. It took five years. Five years. Yeah. And then, and, uh, rather than be a, a, a BA, I chose the music ed track. Mm-hmm. which was great. Then there was more kind of education-oriented classes. It, sure. By the way, for anyone out there, I, I don't know how you feel, Tom, but I, I always recommend that people just 
do music ed rather than a performance degree or a BA. Cause I just feel like you can do more with it. If, yeah. if, if you know, if like, if you get a BA um, and you're a performance major, good luck getting in schools. Yeah, no, definitely. Like uh, that always uh, just, that's confusing to me. And then I, I get it. Like there's some people, you know, I know some people that, that play that real serious people and they went to college and majored in performance and they're like, I just knew I didn't want to teach. But I wanted to play. To in their defense, the last thing I would want is someone to, you know, well, I didn't might quite make it as a performer, uh, so now I'm teaching as my backup plan. Like that is also <laughs> crap. Yeah. But that being said, I feel like there are plenty of really good musician musicians out there and performers that actually can be really good teachers. Like part of part of my job when I was. Uh, I taught in the summer music ed program at Boston Conservatory slash Berkeley School of Music. Is like it, they, these these kids would be most of them were performance majors, and I and I feel like I don't know this. I'm I'm making a huge generalization here, but there were a bunch of kids in there. All the young kids, anyways, were people getting their masters, and I think realizing like, ooh, it's a tough world out there. I'm not, you know, I'm a bassoon player and. I'm probably not going to make the BSO or the New York Phil or the LA Philharmonic, you know, anytime soon. What am I going to do? You know, and I always, I will say they they all went in with a very good attitude. There were only a couple where, you know, it was like, you could tell they didn't really want to be doing it, but it's like they felt like they had to because it was the only way they were going to survive. So, yeah, but I'm with you though. Like, like, I mean, so many of the kids that I went to college with were music ed majors and ended up being performers. You know, it's like yeah. you can always be a performer. Absolutely, You don't have and to major in performance to be a performer. I'm not sure how things were at UMass where you went, but at UNM, I can tell you straight up, uh, the, the BA, the performance majors, were not necessarily any better than the music ed majors. Yeah, no way. I, I mean, like the the one thing that I remember was like I had to do, you know, a half hour recital instead of a full hour recital or something yep. like that. Yep. You know, and and I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense to no, me. No, no. It's it seems it seems weird to me too. It's almost like if you want to be a performance major, like why do you need a degree? Like if you're either good enough or you're not. So it's almost like instead of spending like I don't know college these days it was like 60 grand now i guess i don't know how much it cost well i guess if you were going to a state school probably like 30 grand so let's say 30 grand a year it's like you could just take a private lesson probably you know if, even if it's like a primo teacher what 100 100 bucks a week you know or take two lessons 200 bucks a week whatever with yeah. a primo teacher in a primo venue like a city or something and if you're that good then just take the lessons like i don't know i don't i guess i guess you could argue oh you know you'd want you know you'd be possibly a better performer if you took some of the music theory classes or stuff like that but that's i don't know i still feel like if you had the right teacher you could learn i don't know i don't know if i'd need to spend 30 grand yeah well you know not to mention if you're if, if you're just concentrating on being a performer and you get a performance degree uh, certainly at some point you're going to want to teach maybe private lessons. Yep. At which point, you know, it 
might be nice to know a little bit about child psychology. It might be nice to know a little bit about education. It might be nice to know a little bit about, you know, Suzuki or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you, so you graduate university in New Mexico and then, (laughs) and then, um, I ended up moving out here to Massachusetts, you know, met a girl. She had family out here. And okay. I was, I was kind of you, up for a change. All right. So you met a girl at UNM or? Well, while a student at UNM. Right. Met her. Her family lived here on the Cape. So I decided to Wait, just I, up and move. I, you can tell me later. I want to know because <laughs> I feel like maybe I know this. Was she a musician? No. Oh, okay. All right. All right. All right. So never mind. All right. Keep you going. don't know her. Because no, she, she kind of led me here and then I ended up going my own direction once I got yeah. here to Massachusetts. Okay. So then um, my first job was uh, teaching private school, so uh, which was a great education because this was an all-boys school in, in uh, Massachusetts, and it was grades five through nine. So I had to teach music class at five, six, seven, eight, nine, five different levels of music class. And I had to make a band with only like a student body of 200 kids or something like that. And chorus. Plus I still had to do all the, the things that the folks who work at boarding schools have to do, like live in a dorm and supervise them and take them out to the mall and study hall and oh my gosh dinner and you know and it was private school you probably got paid like way less yeah 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 <laughs> oh, it was rough and i i only i only did that for three years i had a three-year contract and then it was like okay wow it's got to be something better out there and then that's when i got into public school here in falmouth oh wow that's incredible and right because so in your first job that was k through four right the first job you had here or no oh, yeah wait. yeah and then and then i did uh grades seven and eight general music long-term sub for a year right because i one thing i remember i don't know if i've ever told you this but like i remember when you were doing k through four general music my kids didn't have you because they went to the different district but i knew a bunch of kids that because like through sports or whatever or just that they were the same age as my kids that had you at T ticket and uh loved you. Like absolutely oh, loved having you as a teacher. So funny. I I'll I'll never forget that. I remember like a couple the kids were like, Oh, he was great. The concert was so great. Like you know, the kids I remember the kids and they were like, Oh the, I we love Mr. Fitech. That cool. Was, that was really cool. <laughs> so you did that and then you were so you taught there and then moved to the junior high as a long term sub? No, no, no. I, so I did the long-term sub first oh, at the junior oh. high. Okay, that's and what then, I thought. Right. And okay. then our, our department head said, hey, next year we have a K-4 through job. Do you want it? And I, was, and I said something like, well, I don't know. I, I kind of want middle school. And she's like, no, you want this job. So I think you should take it, wink, wink. And I said, okay, all right. So I did. And then the very next year, you know, halfway through the year, it was announced that the middle school job was opening, which she probably knew all along. And her plan was to just get me in the district and then shoot me up to the middle school. 
where I was for 13 years. Yeah, wow. Just general music slash music tech there for a while before you started doing band there, right? Yeah. Because LaVeya yeah. started off and she had chorus and band. Right. And then we, the the other teacher at, at Lawrence School, the middle school, uh, we, we decided it's, it's more, uh, uh, it makes more sense for her to be the choral teacher. So then it was, she does seventh grade general music and chorus. And I did eighth grade general music, which was music tech and band. Right. And, and, and that's remember, kind of the way the listen, job is now. You have to remember, you're leaving out a very crucial part. Because at that time, I was music coordinator. And your then principal did not understand how that was going to possibly work. Once Levada left. Yeah. Leaving out a whole huge part. That was, very, that was, that was a big moment in my life. Wow. Nice. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, well, but I had for to go in. Happen. I you don't even like I literally I had to go in and be like, he can't do band and chorus at the same time, so the other person I was like it was really funny, like what sometimes I've considered it to be a very good principal too. And I uh it was really funny how I had to really convince her that that, that would work. And I'm like, it's gonna yeah. be better for the students too. Like, you know, Andrew could do chorus, I'm sure, but it's going to be better if Elaine does it. Like that's, she's going to be better at it. Uh, it's yeah. like more her jam. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't know. Like, but it, I remember having to argue about that. Wow. Well, well, it seems to me that at some point in the future, this podcast is going to have to have a, an episode about schedules. Oh my gosh. Like <laughs> my, my wife could absolutely like, cause she's like a scheduling guru. I, as far as I like, she's so good at it. Okay, so folks out there, yes, we just said the S word, and we we sense your stress at hearing the yeah. word schedule right now. Yeah. It's funny. I've, I've listened to like other people from different areas of the country and everything. Their, their schedules are so, like, there's some people, like, they don't start band until, like, sixth grade, but they have, they have lessons every day. Like, I know that's a, like, in Texas, they're, like, they're trumpets. They start in sixth grade, and they have trumpet class every day and i'm like wow yeah that's how, amazing how quickly they'd get good on that instrument you know or like there's some people there's some people that have you know general music class once a week all year and there's other people that have it like you know for a trimester or half a year um and they'll have it every day you know so it's like that's so different like what you can what you can teach how much a student will remember because I feel like that's that's so difficult I feel like if you're only teaching people once once a week it's like man it's so hard it's so hard to get something really ingrained or something that's really gonna pop in the kid's head if it's only once a week it's so hard yeah I don't know well so what about you how did you get in in into uh, music ed I was, I always liked music. I always liked singing. I always have memories of like going to church with my mom, singing along. There was some like, particularly there was a really good male cantor at the school, I mean, at the school, at the church. And, uh, and I would always like try and sing like him. David Bisbee was his name. I remember that. Um, I actually ended up dating his daughter for a long time in high school, which is really funny. So I always liked singing. And then, you know, it came time. I had a, a really good general music teacher. I really liked her, Miss Cole, growing up. I liked her a lot. Um, but I feel like, you know, 
like any I'm with you and that general music sometimes is a little a little funky and like and really reaching a lot of kids and I feel like that's why I love like I wish I wish I could like record your class and play it for like a lot of general music teachers out there because I feel like your kids end up loving your class you know and I feel like very little but little of it is like do 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 day do or ta ta ti ti ta and a lot of it is yeah. like doing you know doing music musicking learning stuff about musicians and instruments and playing instruments and singing well so- that's so nice of you to say because you know my my feeling is like i i, I just want kids to love music and I just want them to have fond memories of it and carry that with them somewhere. And, um, you know, we, we've got our standards that we're supposed to hit. We've got our curriculum we're supposed to hit. But, uh, I mean, I, I always try to make my main goal that it's fun, especially for that age. Huge. I, I just think that's so huge, right? I feel, I feel like even as band directors, like I think about when I first started teaching, like, I was so concerned about the level of, or like the doing the cool pieces by the cool composers and all that stuff. Like, I didn't even take into account like, are the students gonna enjoy this? Are are they gonna sound good doing it? What's my instrumentation? All that stuff. Like, yeah, that's you know they gotta have fun, right? So, but I remember oh like I remember having fun in Miss Cole's class. She was really nice, um, you know, and then third grade we could do strings and i think i we let i I borrowed someone's violin i was awful at the violin strings in third grade third grade is when we started strings that's ridiculous you think so i don't know man i feel like i can't imagine a third grader playing it well i don't know i mean lots of kids start when they're like kindergarten wow okay yeah i guess i guess i guess so yeah i i don't think that's weird at all that's funny that you think that um yeah, so they started in third grade is when they started strings. And I was like, I I still have this vivid memory. Um, she was a super nice lady. She was not the best of teachers, but she was a super nice lady. And I will say, maybe she, she just didn't click with me because I know other people that had her that actually really liked her. So I, I, I feel bad saying that. But anyways, um, but I remember doing a concert and it was like, you know, it was just like, all right, we have, you know, a dozen tunes or whatever. And it was like, once you don't know a tune, just sit, you know, just sit down on the risers and whatever, you're fine. It was like a dozen tunes and it was like four tunes in. I was like, mm, I'm going to have to sit down. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> I did not like, it was like, I knew like Twinkle and like, so I was, I was, I was not good in violin. But that being said, then the next year we were allowed to start band instruments uh, with my my music teacher, uh, Ron Brown, who just passed away a few years ago. Awesome. Such an awesome guy. A really good trombone player, too. I had a trumpet that my mom my mom played trumpet when she was growing up. Um, I never really heard her play trumpet because she, when she went to nursing school, she just stopped playing trumpet. I never heard her play trumpet. Um, but she had this old Getzen, beautiful Getzen, which is really random that I have a student that has the same horn this year. Wow. It's, it's huh crazy um anyways uh beautiful trumpet and i played that trumpet and i was 
immediately like pretty good at it. And I remember like playing taps at like Memorial Day or Veterans Day for like a ceremony at the school. And I thought that was sort of cool. You know, and then we, you know, as I got older, I was still into it. I will do remember for a short period of time, like he was a little stickler. Like when I didn't practice, he was, he was a little forceful. And there was one, like for one quick hot second, I was like, oh, mom, I think I'm going to quit. And she was like, no, 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 you'd be fine. Man, that how my life would be different, right? If my mom was just like, no, you're, no, okay, yeah, you can quit. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's so crazy, right? I think about that. You know, we got to sixth grade, it was fine, you know. Seventh and eighth grade, again, my, my band teacher, he was okay. A super nice guy. You know, he was not, he was not a real go-getter. He was a good musician, he was a good, really good musician, actually, and um, but just not a great band director, I don't think. But I will say, in his defense, you know, it was sort of like a pull-out lesson program there, and uh, man, I would, I could, and it was like a rotating schedule, and so man, I would, which is why I did so bad in school, like eighth grade. I remember, like, I would, I would go down there like three periods a day. I just like, oh, English class. Uh, yeah, I have, a, I have a trumpet lesson right now. Uh-huh. And I, I, yeah. I remember like going in there and be like, oh, I'm sort of done playing trumpet. I'd be like, I'll go in the practice room with the drum set and I'll practice uh, the Paradise City opening yeah. on drums. Well, you know, that, that, that to me is part of what a really good program can do, whether it was the guitar program I was in, band program you were in. It can create like a, a hang a hang environment. Yes. Yeah. And that was cool. And then, um, yeah, it was really cool. And then somewhere around, like, I do remember like he, and again, as much as I sort of pick on him, cause he was not a great band director, but he gave me like a cup, like he had the music to like, um, oh my gosh, Herb Alpert. Right. He had that. He had like this, like a uh, a thing of watermelon man that song watermelon yeah, man yeah. and i there was like a summer it was either this summer but must have been summer between 7th and 8th grade so like that was probably like only the second summer where like my my parents would like let me stay at home by myself or whatever and i remember actually like oh, i'm bored i'll practice my trumpet and i remember playing those tunes <laughs> and just like getting good nice and then and then uh but i was still i was always like and I, you know, it's still stupid. Like I still consider myself an athlete slash jock. I was always like, I was a serious hockey player, uh, serious baseball player. Um, so it's really funny. Like, like my, I have like two sets of like really good friends from high school and like some of the, their band kids and others are like, you know, athletes, <laughs> like separate universes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. But, um, you know, so then I finally took a private trumpet lesson when I was in, the summer between ninth grade and 10th grade. And it was with a guy named Ty Newcomb. And I had seen him at a concert the previous year. Um, Cause my mom, when I was in seventh grade, my mom started playing her trumpet again and played like local town bands and stuff. And she was in the Cape Cod conservatory wind ensemble. And I remember going to see her play in the Cape Cod conservatory jazz ensemble opened up for them. And you know, I just remember uh, Ty Newcomb. I remember the like, totally like it's yesterday. It was like they did an arrangement 
of I Remember Clifford by Mike Vax. And, you know, you know, Ty went up to it. The high point of the song went up to like a high F. And I was like, what? <laughs> I want to be able to do that. He came. My first lesson, he came. And I was like, I was really, it was so cool. He played those high notes. And I remember always like trying to play like Star Spangled Banner and like playing the high C, you know, the, like within an hour after he left, he just showed me a couple of things. I could play a G above a high C. And I was like the summer before my sophomore year of high school. And I was like, oh yeah. And then it was like game on, on the trumpet. Nice. And then I got a really serious trumpet. Um, you know, not that Ty wasn't serious, but he, he was more like, he was just different, and and I got uh, so I got a teacher from the Cape Symphony, uh, Phil Haig, also Plymouth Philharmonic, and uh, what a great teacher! I mean, I owe so much of my everything to him. He was just a master of the trumpet, um, and I learned so much from him. And I uh, got into districts and all state and all that stuff growing up, and just. He exposed me to so many different things, and uh, and it like at some point it was like right around my junior year, I remember being like, well, you know what, I I think I'm either going to be a math teacher or a music teacher, and I knew I wanted to teach because like, you know, I remember being like an out, I was always really good at algebra, so I like always help out other kids in my class, which I really enjoyed, and then I also remember, um, Lisa Fournier, she was a you know, she's now the high school band director in Bourne. And, uh, but she was, her first job was at an elementary school and she had a little jazz band after school. She's like, Hey, can you come help my trumpets? You know, she was a sax player. Yeah. She's like, come help my trumpets. And I was like, yeah. And, and it was like, Oh my gosh, this is super fun. And I actually started teaching some private lessons in the summers here and there. And, um, I was like, all right, I either want to be a, a music teacher or a math teacher. Like I just, the teaching, like, I just like it. I like helping people and I just know that's what I want to do. And so then, um, trigonometry and geometry, my junior, <laughs> my junior year, like pre-calculus. Uh -huh. Yeah. I took pre-calculus yeah. and I was like, okay, music it is. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it was like, I was not good at that. And so, th uh, there's, there's always that, that, uh, stereotype that musicians are good at math. Yeah. You know, but, but, you know, you remember the days you'd split a, split the check, you go to the, you go to the diner with your musician friends and <laughs> time to split the check. And everyone's like, eh, I'll just throw in a 20. Yeah. You know, we can count to four yeah, unless right. we're rush fans. Then we can count oh. to seven. Yeah. Right. That's true. That's true. Or, or five, if it's the trees, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, at, earlier today we were talking about the skill set required and I don't know if you've noticed this, Tom, but sometimes I feel there are some people who are really good musicians, but they're just not really good teachers. Or maybe, or maybe like they're so-so teachers, um, and, and for some reason they still are just wanting to teach, even though they're maybe not happy at it or not doing so well. But they're awesome musicians. Have you ever encountered that? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. You know, there's definitely a few people that I, I put in that category where I'm like, I don't understand how they can be such a good musician, and yet I hear their band and they sound horrible. Or I see them working with students and the kids, they just give unclear instructions. You know, as simple as like, 
not using the right verbiage. You know, and if, if you're anything like me, which I, I know you are in, in, in some ways, um, like I am very specific sometimes, like when I, like right now I've been doing like, you know, working on like dotted quarter note with my sixth graders. Yeah. I am, especially with that, I am so incredibly specific about all the verbiage I use because yeah. I know when I've said it this other way in the past, it didn't lock in as quickly or they didn't quite understand it. Yeah. You know, so it's like, and that, the, the idea of like the dotted quarter note to, to young musicians is, it's, that's confusing to a lot of them to really understand like the rule of the dot, the math behind it, how you can account it, all those things. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I think a not good teacher or a seasoned teacher or whatever, I don't think would at all know to even, oh, I should think about how I say that, you know, like that's, and there's, there's honestly, there's some guys that know it too. Like, you know, I, uh, I played, played trumpet. I was fortunate enough to play trumpet with Wayne Bergeron a couple of times, and, you know, unbelievable LA studio musician. And he admits, he's like, I'm, I'm not a great teacher. He's like, you know, like I've been able to play a double C since, yeah. you know, forever. You know, like it came to me very naturally. He would also give plenty of, incre- like I learned a lot from him just talking to him about just the music business. So I think like, I like, you know, I feel like you can still from those, so those people can, you can still get a lot out of talking to a musician who's out there musicking, you know, like. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and, and it depends on the, on the goal. Like if you're, if your goal is to, you know, teach piano technique or whatever, and you're really trying to get someone's piano technique in shape, trying to get them ready for a recital, you know, that's a, that's a different kind of style of teaching. And it, and it doesn't even really matter if that person is very good at, you know, uh, doing, you know, dances with fourth graders yeah, or whether that person is really good at, um, engaging the people and inspiring them you know your your goal is to just get piano technique down and that's totally fine but the schools are a totally different animal oh yeah absolutely absolutely you know the like the the one skill that i think sets a good teacher a good music teacher apart from a so-so one you ready for this all right i'm ready (laughs) i think it's the ability to think on your feet to have to have the instincts of an actor you know like when you know because because having a lesson plan is one thing but being able to just react in the moment and get feedback from your audience their body language you know all that and then just come up with new ways of explaining what a dotted quarter is and how to how to express it and how to feel it and how to how to be a dotted quarter note you know it takes a lot of um you know, you have to be able to react and think on your feet, think like an actor and outside the box. And you can't just say it's one and a half beats over and over again and hope they're going to get it. Because <laughs> right, if right, that's yeah. not enough I to get it, so you need something else. Yeah, you know? absolutely. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's just not even a music teacher. That's like every teacher, right? It's like you got to be able to just read the room. How you taught it the previous year might not work. You know, my, you yeah. know. I've been saying this all year. My students are very different this year. They're they're the most different. I like the biggest change in how my students are this year is very different in terms of like if if I if I go to talk 
in between stopping the kids' play in a full band rehearsal, if I even attempt to talk for longer than like 20 seconds, I'm losing that group. Oh, yeah. So it's like, you know, and I remember hearing um, Peter Boonshaft, who's like a great conductor at um, Hofstra University. And I remember him, I went to like a, a clinic at uh, Plymouth State, and he was he was one of the one of the people there. He was great. Um, but he remember, I remember him saying, he's like, if you can't say it in like, I think he actually said like seven words, but I think his point was just overall like, you know, talk less, play more, stupid. You know, like basically yeah. like, you know, so it's like I've had to really, really buckle down on that when in my full band rehearsals, like, you know, sometimes I want to say something and get, you know, tell a story and do that. And sometimes it will work. And if I feel like it's going there, if I can go into a story that maybe clicks with some kids, okay, I'll try to do it. But generally, it's got to be like, you know, oh, we stopped. Start at 35, this time play softer. We do it again. All right, start at 35, this time play the staccato notes shorter, please. Here we go. Like it's mm-hmm. Like if I get in and start to put both those things in the same sentence and say why we need to do it and all this stuff. It's right. like, it's too much. It's too much. You lost him. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and it's, and it, again, it is worse this year than I've ever experienced. So, um, I've, I've had to catch myself a lot this year. So, but anyways, so I, I just, we'll see how this episode one goes and I'm really curious to see where we go from here. I, the hope is that I want to have different music educators from all fields, whether it be music tech, general, strings, chorus, band. I also want to. Um, I also want to talk to professional musicians, people that aren't necessarily music teachers, and see what they're education experience was like and why they ended up being so into music and why yeah. they're a performer and um because i think it's inspiring and i i think i think it's very inspiring for us music teachers to hear like oh that little thing that you said that one time like really resonates or like you know like if i just think about yeah. certain things certain like what i i remember my, the thing that always st- stuck out in my head I remember saying it was like somewhere around my junior high school and I said to my trumpet teacher, Phil Haig, and I was like, you know, I just can't decide whether I want to be a jazz trumpet player or a classical trumpet player. And he goes, you want to be a trumpet player. And that's from some, you know, he's a symphony player. Yeah. But he could play jazz fine. I mean, he could read jazz great. I mean, and, uh, and it always stuck with me. So it was like, you know, by the time I was a senior at UMass, it was like uh I was principal of the orchestra and the and the people in the orchestra looking at me going, Why is this jazzer in here? And then I was I was lead trumpet in jazz one. And they were, I feel like I used to feel like the jazz guys were all looking at me like, What is this orchestra trumpet player doing here? <laughs> you know? And I was like and I yeah. actually I really loved it because I was like, All right, you know, so but um anyways, that's that's like one example of like a gem that sticks out in my head and and I so uh I just to me, it's supposed to be, you know, non-specific to any particular genre, subgenre of music education, I guess, and uh, more of like inspiring. And hopefully, yeah. uh, we'll have some fun. This is the f- the first episode. 
And uh, I have to uh, give major props to uh, Andrew Fitek right now because uh, he has these beautiful mics and mic stands, and I am <laughs> I am very non-techie. Um, am I going to be expected to be doing the editing on this, by the way? Yeah. Yeah, am yeah. I? I think I can do it. I th- I I oh, actually yeah. think I can do it. So that'll be that'll be that'll be fun. So uh, hopefully I don't screw up your awesome miking <laughs> with my editing. You know, like well, ho- hopefully every single word we said was golden and nothing needs to be cut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can take out all my uh uh, eh, which you know I, when I told my wife and my kids when I was like, yeah, I think. Maybe doing this podcast. We're doing episode episode one uh, during vacation. Like I can just imagine. Like I think the first thing my wife was like, it takes him like uh, a year to say something. <laughs> like, and I just know, like, and then I know that about myself too. Is like sometimes just like, uh, uh, you know, and then it, then I spit it out. Yeah, I don't feel like I did that that much. No. All right. I didn't hear a whole lot of ums and uhs. All right. All right. Maybe you're just being nice, but I appreciate it. Well, we'll we'll find out. All right. When this whole thing is done. And thank you so much for inviting me on here. I think it's a great idea. I love your show. Yeah. We'll see what happens from here. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Everything Music Ed podcast. Be sure to check out future episodes as we talk to other educators from different teaching environments and cover topics such as band, orchestra, chorus, marching band, general music, music tech, special needs, and much more. The theme music is Jig, composed and arranged by Wally Minko. Jig is performed by Wayne Bergeron and can be found on his album Full Circle. I'd also like to give a special shout out and thanks to my good friend Andrew Fitek. His knowledge of recording and the use of his gear were instrumental in me getting my podcast off the ground.